1: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21.
1: Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.
3: All right. It's another film study. This is what you guys have been waiting for all week in this weird week where this show is coming out a little later than normal, but we finally get to talk about that exciting offense from Monday night. Kevin McCusick, how are you doing?
4: Life's good, Josh. Continuing this magic carpet ride. How, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing good. Happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, whoever else is listening. I believe this episode will be out on Thanksgiving or around Thanksgiving. That's great. Thanks to all our our
4: listeners and uh, people who read the website. We're very thankful for you in terms of uh, you being there for us and enjoying the work we do. And we have another guest here today. My wife, Maureen, will be doing the offense with us tonight, talking a little bit about our trip to L.A. for the game. And uh, also just, you know, taking you through the process of the scoring, the offensive line that we went through to to put together the show for you.
5: Hi, everyone.
3: Hey, welcome, Maureen. I think this is your first time this year on the show, right? Or this season? I did a
5: preseason.
3: Preseason. Okay. All right. I don't remember. We've had so many guests in and out. It's been a lot of fun just to have a different person each each episode to join us. Um, you guys, men- you mentioned that you guys went out to L.A., and that's part of why our release schedule this week is odd. Because the Ravens play on Monday night. You have to travel back and forth, and then you've got to break down on the film. What does that do for the Ravens when they've got to play on Monday night, travel? Have Thanksgiving where they generally try to give the guys off, or at least part of the day off, and get ready for a huge game on Sunday.
4: Yeah, I I think they had to treat have to treat Thanksgiving as a regular practice day. I don't know if they'll cut practice early or because it's in the morning, it's not as much of an imposition. But they had a light workout today, as my understanding. Uh, after the after getting back to practice after a travel day, effectively Monday night into Tuesday, to get home. Uh we, we felt it. I want to I point out before we get too far into this, the Herculean efforts of Maureen to, to help get this, you know, the work done for this broadcast. So we're, we're in L.A. in the hotel room. We stayed over from Monday until Tuesday night, but we had a 2.30 wake-up call was- to make our airplane.
5: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We didn't stay Tuesday night. We left <laughs> Tuesday morning at the crack of dawn.
4: Yeah.
5: And uh, at 3.30, there was no traffic on the L.A. highway, which we were very excited about.
4: All right, so we got there early, but, but in just going back from the game, unfortunately, it's a 5 o'clock game out there at 5.20. We were back in the hotel room about 9, got the defensive personnel and some pass rush stuff done, all entered by midnight, so got a couple hours of sleep before we had to wake up and go to the airport. But anyway, long night.
3: How, how much film study on the airplane? None. None? Because, okay, because took that we off. Have, we
4: don't have the power to do that. We, we, have the, we have access to the Internet, but we don't have the power.
3: Gotcha. I understand. Um, yeah, well, at least it was a fast game as far as Monday nights go, it was a pretty quick game, so it got you out of there at a reasonable time. What was the uh how was the Coliseum? how was the it seems like well, besides all the bandwagon and jo- jumping on the Lamar train, it seems like the Raven fans are traveling really well this year.
5: Yeah, they' travel really well. Um, what was interesting to me is walking around. The L.A. area, a lot of people saw us with our jerseys on and they're like, hey, you came down for the game, really welcoming to us. And a lot of them were like, go beat the Rams. We don't like the Rams. So a lot of transient fans in the L.A. area.
4: Some Chargers fans, maybe some Raiders fans in the area. That's one thing the NFL has complained about is that there are too many of those. You mentioned the Coliseum. I'll just right. I'll start a little bit. There. There's a rose garden you walk through. It's it's kind of a neat area. Uh, really, kind of an accessible stadium from the from the train and whatnot. So fairly easy to get to. It's it's an old stadium,
3: right? But and, it's also filled with like huge history stuff with Olympics and everything. It's got history that a lot of other stadiums do not have.
4: Very true, very true. Maureen, how would you describe that the stadium, and the Coliseum uh, itself?
5: It's an iconic place, and, you know, before the game, they light the torch, and all you can think of is, you know, the Olympics and your favorite person who who lit a torch in the past. For me, it was Muhammad Ali, Um, but, you know, those memories come to mind, and, of course, growing up watching USC, I'm expecting a white horse to come out at any moment, and that just never happened. All
3: right, well, (laughs) well, you taught me something there. I thought the torch was just always lit. I didn't know they did that pregame. I thought it just stayed lit all the time, um, but I understand what you're saying. By it's an iconic stadium because that's how I feel about the old Yankee Stadium before they teared it down. It's got lots of history. It's an icon. It's a dump, and old. Yeah,
4: that's that's exactly right. It doesn't have concourses, so you go outside. Effectively, go outside into the penned in area right. to go to the bathroom, and it, it's a. They do have. It's not porta potties. They have nice bathrooms out there, but but they're not as many of them as you might hope. Right. And uh, yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's an older stadium is going to be replaced.
3: Yep. All right. Well, let's get to, let's, instead of thinking of old things, let's go with new things and Lamar Jackson. I mean, it's gotten to the point that it's, he's not just a Baltimore phenomenon. He's like the face of the NFL right now. And Very I'm true. amazed
5: at how much Lamar continues to improve each week.
4: Yeah. It's uh it's, he's, just been remarkable in that way in terms of how he reads the field how he is looking off defenders Weddle got really badly looked off on one play in this game uh you know he he identified inside leverage there's a great video out there by dan orlovsky if you want to go go take a look at that that talks about how lamar identified the perfect receiver in a five wide formation when only willie sneed had inside had the inside leverage on the defender and it's very well done And he he really points out that that's something that most quarterbacks can't do without kind of giving away where they're going with the football. So really uh, a nice video to watch. Talk a little bit about maybe ample time and space. Let's start with that. So the Ravens, uh, uh, Jackson had nine of 22 ample time and space, 41 percent. Maureen, good number, great number. Where does that fit in with this year so far?
5: Um, <laughs> okay. <I
4: don't> know. <laughs> fair, 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 Fairly average number for 2019, anyway. Uh, expected yards of 128. In the game, he actually had 160. One thing we're noticing is that he's beating Flacco's projected yards, which are these are based on Flacco expectations from 2010 through 17, pretty consistently, like a drum beat every week. In this case, it was by about a yard and a half per throw. Uh, just very good, consistently. Uh, expectation beating performances, though admittedly the expectation is set at a fairly low level.
5: I think Lamar took almost no chances with the football.
4: Yeah, that's a good Would point. You it? It, yeah, it, he, he really only had one out of his 20 passes, according to NextGen, that was within one yard of a defender. So that's something you really like to see. I think I'd really like to see that anytime, but particularly with Lamar Jackson, where the offense is so good at producing positive yards and and using four downs to get a first down, to take a few chances with the football is extra valuable under those circumstances. Probably want to talk a little bit about play action and and what happened. The Ravens didn't do a whole lot of play action this game. They had been doing a lot more with Lamar. 14 out of I think it was 20 dropbacks against uh, the Texans, but only six out of 22 dropbacks were play action against the Rams. And if you wanted to pick one thing that really didn't work out well for the Ravens in this game, they only had seven net yards on those plays, 1.2 yards per play. So it was a good thing that they didn't go with too much of it um, in, in this particular game. Now, that would tell you those other 16 throws worked out really well, given how Lamar performed in the game as a, as a whole, and those included all of the touchdown passes. Average air yards per completion, 7.1 per incompletion, 7.2. It's exactly what you want to see. Normally in the NFL, longer passes are incomplete. More often, shorter passes are complete. More often, it's very unusual to have those numbers be so close together. Uh, So that's a good sign for Lamar. Another good one that feeds from that is his expected completion percentage. He, based on the throws he made, he should have completed 63.5% of his passes. He actually completed 75%. 11.5% over your, your uh, expectation is terrific in terms of a differential. Uh, and we'll remember back that he had a 30% difference a couple of weeks ago in the perfect rating game, and, uh, and he had a 22 in the other, sorry, a 26 in Miami, and those are the two highest of the entire football season. So 11 is still very good.
5: Seemed to me like Lamar had a lot of arm angle variation. Would you agree with that?
4: Yeah, a lot of the short passes that were that were complete. You're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he was doing it, and it didn't look like he was doing it for show this week. It looked more like he was doing it to target passes effectively, and and did a good job with that. Uh, Lamar's on a magical run right now in terms of the last six games. He's completed 94 of 137 passes, 1156 yards. Thirteen touchdowns and no interceptions in those six games. Yeah, quarterback rating of one twenty six point one, and it almost seems like it should be higher, given thirteen touchdowns, no interceptions, four rushing TDs during that time. Just missed one in this game. Looked like he kind of. We were unsure at the at the stadium if he was kind of sliding down or whether he was. What exactly he was doing, but he actually looked like he just slipped down, and tried to get up, and then Ramsey somehow stopped his forward progress.
3: Right, and the fact that he's hitting himself afterwards shows that he didn't mean to go down.
4: Yeah, that's that's what. Well, it he didn't like
5: mean to, me. to get up after he w- went down. He meant to just roll into the end zone and be a touchdown.
4: Right, yeah, right. that that also would have worked. Yeah. So no no interceptions now in 151 passes. That goes back part way into that Pittsburgh game, which was his only really terrible game of the year when he had three picks. Uh, So uh, been a been a hell of a streak here for Jackson, who started the year with a great interceptionless streak that stretched back to the middle of last year and now has another 151 going currently. Um, I don't know about you. I don't have any words for the runs we're seeing each week. I mean, just. They're they're spectacular, certainly, but there's something different about everyone. And and, I'm just enjoying them as they come.
5: Seems to me like they converted virtually all their third and fourth down opportunities. Was that true?
4: Yeah. uh, Let me go to that, the, the spreadsheet for a second here. Yeah. So they were nine of 15 on third down, but they were also three of three on fourth down. So let's break that down a little bit. If they're nine of 15 on third down, but then they get three out of three on fourth down, that's like kind of winning the rematch on fourth down. So they were really 12 of 15 in converting their series is the way to think of it. And Two of five of that was RG3. So with Lamar, they were 10 for 10, converting their third slash fourth down sequences for a first down, including uh, seven of seven on third down. Well, I said, I'm said i sorry, seven of 10 on third down, and then three of three on the ensuing fourth down. That's a little confusing, I realize, but they scored a touchdown you, every single you drive. You can't Lamar ask for more through. than that. <laughs> no, you can't.
5: Okay, so as we were going through the game scoring, I noticed that Stanley and Brown had very few negative events. Um, yep. Did that pan out for them?
4: Yeah, you, you're pushing us forward in the offensive line scoring, which is cool. We'll do that. Uh, yeah, Stanley only only allowed one pressure in this game. You probably remember that one where he had his hands on the face or uh, on the neck of the defender. And I was really on the, on the fringe of whether or not to give him a pressure on that play, but I decided to do it given he was getting away with the penalty on the play. He also had one false start in the game, an A, again, grade for Stanley, who's just playing terrific football right now. Let's go to the other side, and Brown, as Maureen mentioned, really wasn't allowing much in the way of pressures. He did have one that he allowed. He had two other partial QHs that he allowed, so a half of of two quarterback hits. But in an amazing game for Brown here, he didn't have any missed blocks, which is really unusual for a right tackle at all, and very unusual for Brown, who's a little bit of of a... lumbering right uh, right tackle, didn't have to move too much into level two in this game, um, and that that worked out for him. So he got another A, and he's effectively duplicated the same mid-level A several times this year, and I'm not sure whether it's four times or five times, but he's on a terrific run right now and uh, just not giving up very much at all. We had a, a guest on the, on the show earlier this year, Brandon Thorne, who would make the point that there aren't that many good right tackles in the game, and the Ravens are very fortunate to have one with Brown.
5: I was devastated to see Skura being carted off the field in the first quarter um, or early in the game. I don't remember if it was the first quarter or not, but um, uh, do, you, do you know how he's doing?
4: Yeah, so the news came out today, and, and unfortunately, he's lost for the year. Uh, they signed another center today who's got about 150 career snaps. He's in his fourth year. Uh, he, he played for Denver for three of those. Uh, so he, he is a guy that uh, I don't even think will be active on game day. What I'm expecting to happen is for uh, the Ravens to get their first activations out of uh, Ben Powers, and he will probably just be the backup. Macari will continue at center. They already basically said as much, so they're not going to move Bozeman to center, which would have been the other possibility. And I expect Bozeman will continue at left guard since he had a real good game, in, in my opinion, in this one. How, just about- how did... Go ahead.
3: How did uh, Macari do? Because they made a big deal about he hasn't played center since high school.
4: Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about that. We'll do that first. So Macari went to California in the Pac-10, so it's a Power Five conference, but it's kind of now at the bottom of the Power Five, probably or maybe yeah. It's it's it, anyway, it's a Power Five conference. Let's leave it at that. So he played left tackle despite having very short arms. Now Macari is a tall guy. He's six four and a half, so he's certainly tall enough to play left tackle, even. But he's got Tyrannosaurus Rex arms, as, as Mike Mayock would say it, at 31 and a half inches roughly. And that's, that's considered much too short. And we even saw some evidence of problems with that in the preseason of, of his arms really being too short to play, uh, to play even on the inside at the NFL level, where you have a lot of bigger men uh, there. You have 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, guys often even at defensive tackle that'll be, uh, that'll be playing there, or defensive end also. So anyway, in this game, he he actually, I thought, held his own very well in terms of the run blocking. He did allow one pressure in the game, which was a, a straight-up uh, backed-into-the-quarterback. I'm trying to see who did this here. And there
5: was one bad snap that was fumbled.
4: There was one bad snap that was fumbled.
3: Was that, uh, his fault? Well, that was fault? Well, that was the bad snap that Jackson then picked up and ran, right? Yeah, picked up
4: and ran for a big gain. So it was. It didn't. It didn't end up being a bad. Being a bad situation. Um, Makari uh, had two holding penalties though in the game. And This is what's serious, and people are glossing over as if, oh, no big deal. You know, they didn't cost us, or they were both declined. Is something often here? A holding penalty is a very serious event, and it's a serious score in in my system because it's it's a penalty that carries option value. So it's minus ten with no loss of down at the best, but it's worse if the offensive result didn't work out on the play. So, you know, then the, the defense has the option to not take that penalty. And in this case, there was a chop block on one of the plays. The other play, uh, they didn't take it because I think there was a one-yard gain that was going to set up third and nine. Uh, so, so they were okay with it in both cases. They just they declined the penalty, but that doesn't mean that those penalties were okay. They weren't. Interesting situation there. In both cases, he was up against defensive tackle Greg Gaines, who's number 91 if, you, if you're looking at the video again. He's a guy who, who came out of school a few years ago, and I'm trying to remember what year he came out. It might have been last year, actually, and and had very short arms himself, and his draft stock dropped considerably because of that. His his arms are about 31 inches, and Makari's, you know, 31 and a half. So these are two very short armed guys going against each other. Makari and and he locked onto his uniform, and the first one he kind of pulled him to the ground, and Maureen, you met you made the point that the second one. Did it almost look like there was some play acting going on?
5: Well, it looked like to me like he yanked him down from his jersey and they caught him for holding.
4: Right. So yanked him down for his jersey. I thought that was OK. But the second time I thought we, as we were watching and doing the offensive line scoring that you made the point that that it looked like almost Gaines, uh, like saw an opportunity to draw another holding call and kind of went to the ground when Macari put his hands in the same position. So anyway, I'm not I'm not sure of it. You guys decide for yourself. Take a look at those those video of those two holding penalties. But there might have been some some uh, savvy play from Greg Gaines on those to to try and draw that hold.
3: Gotcha. See, I'm just sitting here focused on the 31 inches arm length. I've never thought of measuring (laughs) arms. Now I'm going to have to go find a tape measure. Uh, It's a good
4: good idea. Josh, you're how tall you're a fairly tall guy, right?
3: Yeah, my arms are longer than 34. I'm six foot four. So I've got I've got longer arms.
4: Okay, so if you're six four, you should also have a wingspan of approximately six four. But you can measure that and see it's it's almost it's it Wait, works so, for most people.
3: So when you say thirty one, you mean as a single arm, not wingspan thirty one. of what he currently has, right?
4: Yeah, but if your your wingspan would show up as considerably shorter if you had a problem with arm length.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That has nothing to do with with the Ravens. Well, a little bit because <laughs> McCarey has short arms. But besides that, it uh, distracted me. But, but let's get back to it. Let's get to we haven't gotten to Bozeman and uh, no, right. we haven't yeah. gotten to Yonda yet. And I want to know who who one of these guys had to be shutting down Aaron Donald, right?
4: That's that's definitely worth talking about. So let's, let's talk a little bit about each of them. And then we'll talk about how they dealt with Donald in the game because that's a special, special case. But Bozeman allowed three pressures in this game. Two of those were to Donald. And one, he got PC'd and it looked pretty bad by Brockers at the feet of uh, Lamar. So he didn't have a great pass blocking game in any sense, uh, but he he did a very good job of run blocking. And he lost two plays to Donald at the line of scrimmage on run plays, but he won every other one, made 10 of 11 pulls. He had two highlight blocks, which was, which was good. And since the Ravens ran a lot more than they passed in this game and his pass blocking errors were not particularly significant, he still got a B plus for the game by my system. So a lot of Aaron Donald, I, I, he didn't get all of Aaron Donald. So I didn't give him the full maximum adjustment, but I gave him a pretty hefty adjustment positively. And this was Bozeman's best game of the season as I scored it.
5: Yanda.
4: Yanda. So no negative plays for Yanda. Only three missed blocks, just a ho-hum, another A. Uh, It's, it's, (laughs) I, I know when we score these games, Maureen will often get ahead of me in terms of the scoring. So I'll, I'll be, I'll be kind of watching one player and she'll be getting tired. And so she's already given Yanda a one and Brown a one as I'm going from left to right to give these grades out. And, and you know, we'll get to the point and she'll go, well, I gave him a one up or two or I gave him a one or whatever to, to indicate what kind of block he made on the play. And uh, uh, anyway, this is this is a, a, a classic game where Yanda has very few misses. Uh, he played 58 snaps, departed early and was replaced by James Hurst. Uh, Hurst did not have nearly as good a night. Hurst had some problems including a sack allowed in a relatively brief outing of uh, 14 uh, plays here. And who who got that sack off him? It? it was late in the game. Oh, you folks may have to go back and get this yourself. No, he was bowled by Brockers for the sack. Uh, bulled then shed by Brockers for the sack. So uh, not a great game for Hurst, but uh, uh, but the, all the starters uh, you know, were, were good and Makari, we're hopeful that that he can clean up those holding penalties and move on to next week and and be a a valuable center because that's going to be an area where the Ravens, they will get no mercy from their next opponent or from any future opponents is in that left A gap between Makari and Bozeman trying to rush the passer there.
3: All right. right. Has has Yonda locked up his Hall of Fame yet? Has he done enough so far? It It, seems like there's A after A after A.
4: Yeah, it's it, it, the A after A is not going to do it at this point. What will do it is longevity, Pro Bowls, All Pros, which he could get any of those this year. He's, right. He certainly he could be All Pro again. He could go to the certainly could go to the Pro Bowl, be elected. If they won a Super Bowl, I think that would certainly do it.
5: How I'm many sure. Pro Bowls does he already have?
3: He has,
4: I think, seven Pro Bowls and he so, might have been all-pro twice.
3: Seven's not long enough. That doesn't give you enough longevity it's, yet?
4: He's, he's right in the middle. Longevity is really the years. He's, he's got exactly the amount that he needed, but right. there's a lot of other guys in that same class. Gotcha. The thing that's going good for Yanda is that he's played in the PFF era, so it, 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 uh, there's a lot of information about just how good Yanda's been, so that's positive. The negative is that compared to players from previous eras who had more pro bowls often – the the writers didn't know enough to change their evaluation of who the best lineman was right. and change their Pro Bowl vote quicker. Gotcha. So he did. He, he has. He's behind some other uh, players in terms of Pro Bowl. Right. Thing. And and it's also a question of whether Yanda will be a first ballot Hall of Famer or not. So he's he has led this offense from from in front in a lot of ways this year in terms of Lamar is is certainly the face of the offense, but Lamar defers to Yanda an amazing amount. On the fourth and two play, he's hell oh, yeah, coach, I want to go for it. Then he turns to Yonda and says, You want to go for it, right? And you know, that's that's what I love. And both of them are leaders in that in that sense. So I really I really love to see
3: that. Right. So let's talk a little bit about this offense overall. Because Sean McVay after the game, they were asking him like why can no one stop the Ravens? And he said, Well yeah, there's Lamar's speed that we can't uh, we can't do anything about it. We can't even practice against that because it's so different but it's also the way lamar runs the offense what's different about how he's running the offense uh, there's
4: certainly a lot of deception involved in this offense and then some of that was apparent in the post-game comments right maureen
5: yeah i heard Weddle say after the game that half the time he didn't know where the ball was and you know i thought Weddle was a great safety
4: yeah he yeah he certainly was the, the uh uh, the other thing, you know, he, he talked about them getting their faces peeled off. I mean, it was a very despondent interview from Weddle or maybe respectful, depending on how you want to think about it. Uh, and there was one other comment he made about he didn't know where the ball was, didn't think they would get their you know, their butts handed to them the way they did. I mean, it's just it was a very point of fact thing. And and there's no point evading the truth at this point. In, in terms of Davoa, this was the single high, uh, most dominant performance of the entire season by any team. By the Ravens this year did not. They said it did not crack the top 30 games of all time, but it but it was, uh, uh, you know, the most dominant of this year by a wide margin. The Ravens had six TD drives of 48 plus yards. Those are all with Lamar on the field. Obviously, um, they had five of 70 plus yards against the Texans, only four in this game only uh, they punted one time. OK, we talked about Cook. You know, there's all kinds of funny comments going on about it It as a great hold. And, you know, he's a, why don't we cut the punter and save a roster spot and that sort of thing. But the Ravens are now on pace for the fewest punts in NFL history. They had two punts per game uh, so far through 11 weeks, 22 punts. They're on pace for 32, fairly obviously. And the Oilers of 1990 had 34. That's the fewest in NFL history. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get that. You know, we're not, we'll be happy with the number one seed if it doesn't happen. But, San Francisco, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh are games where they could be forced to punt a few times. Uh, certainly, so with the other games, for for that matter. I mean, you always have a risk of of punting, but uh, uh, you know, San Francisco, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh, Buffalo particularly because of the weather, San Francisco and Pittsburgh because of the good defenses, are games where that punt total might get a little inflated. And and I if- think
5: time. Sorry, I just think time of possession was also, um, you know, in favor of the Ravens, and it's hard for the other team to score when you don't give them the ball. And they had only a three and out in the third quarter.
4: Right. Yeah, that's right. They only you, you were you were doing the defensive plays. We noted that, right? They were only three plays. for the game, the Ravens had seventy four offensive snaps and the Rams had forty eight. And time of possession was almost exactly forty minutes to twenty. Thirty nine fifty six for the Ravens, twenty point oh twenty oh four for the uh Rams. So that's about as one sided as I've ever seen it.
3: Well, and it makes you wonder how how those stats would have been if the Ravens didn't pull everyone for the fourth quarter
4: yeah you know it it, it is something we keep seeing is Lamar keeps getting taken off the field right. which is the right call by the way we want a fewer hits on Lamar any way we can get them is is the way to go gotta but, stay healthy but it's it's also you know maybe this is this is good for RG3 to get a little bit of playing time in season against live fire to be ready where are worthy unthinkable to happen because uh, it might happen in the playoffs at some point. And, and then RG3 might all of a sudden be starting a Super Bowl for us at some point if you can get through the remainder
3: of the, the, the uh, game before let's it. Let's not even think about that. Let's not.
4: What I, what I will say is I just can't express my pleasure over the whole Lamar Jackson era any more than to say I still don't know what characteristics a defense needs to stop him. It's been all this time. He's 14-3 and three as a starter. He's lost two games at Kansas City. He's, you know, he's lost the playoff game to the Chargers. He lost the one game to the Browns, which nobody's going to have an explanation for. But, you know, we don't have any idea what is the method to stop this guy at this point. And, and make no mistake, it's him who's driving this offense. It's, it's his elusiveness that, that's, um, that's doing it.
3: And even as Raven fans, we've never been in this position where no matter who the opponent is right now, we don't feel like we can be beat because we don't know the weakness. Yeah. Was, we, we haven't was, seen anything. I know we've already put out the Know Your Foe uh, episode looking toward to this 49ers game. In any other year, we'd be concerned about the 49ers being, uh, what are they, 9-1 and one? No, 10-1. 10-1, and 10-1, yep. yeah. So and a, lot, a lot of people but have been. Week them.
5: 1. <laughs> Week one, I was concerned about the 49ers, but I have a different perception about the game now.
4: Right. Where yeah. are you on this, Maureen? Yeah.
5: Well, I think we have a very good chance to beat them, and I like the fact that we're playing at home, and I think the weather will favor us. It looks like it's going to be cold and rainy, and that seems to favor a run game.
4: <laughs> okay, so you're positive on it. I'm I'm a little bit negative on the fact that I think sloppy weather holds down offenses on both sides. It, it depends how sloppy— but it, it can be bad for both offenses. We've certainly seen that in the Dallas-New England game this last weekend where a, where a cold, rainy game really depressed offenses on both sides, I thought.
3: Well, so that, anyway, not I, in Phantom tripping plays, tripping calls.
4: Yes, that'll do it too.
3: But uh, yeah. it's interesting even to see the national coverage of this game. It's not, they're not setting this up as the next big test for the Ravens like every other game has been for the past four weeks. They're calling it a Super Bowl preview.
4: That's right. It's almost in some senses, it's almost like an exhibition game for a preview to the Super Bowl. As if you played a played a little scrimmage the week before the Super Bowl, if people think of it. And I do want to caution Ravens fans here. If you were here for the pain of 2006, you know not to get ahead of yourself at this point in the season. It looks like the Ravens are going to get a bye, probably a 90% chance at this point they end up with a buy. That means they're going to be home for that first game. They easily and did, unfortunately, in 2006, lose to a team that was probably not as good as them, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, in that uh, in that uh, divisional game. And to this moment, that is still my worst, most despondent post-game feeling I've ever had, was losing that football game. Uh, I just, just blocked no- it from memory. <laughs> That's a good job. <laughs> That's a good job. I I keep thinking about that day where I was supposed to go over to Edgar's and and meet some people from from work, and I was just – I can't inflict myself upon them at that point after after how I felt after that game. I just had to go home and – So uh,
3: so that was a bigger loss for you than even uh, Cundiff kicking it off the field goal, than – the uh, the dropped balls in the end zones. Yeah, that's the same game, but right. yes,
4: that was horrible. Um but and, and that was very close to the Super Bowl, so in a sense that was worth but but that the 2011 team was good, but it was not quite as good as the 2016 team. And and so the 2016 team it really looked like the Ravens had a fairly clear path to the Super Bowl. They were going to play the AFC Championship at home and uh you know they they lost that opportunity. And then, of course, it ended up being, who did it end up being? Yeah, the Colts ended up going to the Super Bowl and beating the Bears, right? Yeah, they beat the Bears in that one.
3: All right, well, let's get back to the 2019 Ravens. Because (laughs) this game started out with it seemed like the only guy Lamar was targeting was Marquise Brown. But then it ended up opening up that everyone was catching the ball. Not tight ends for a while, but Roberts was getting involved and uh, Snead was getting involved. Boykin even had a couple catches.
4: Yeah, I did. And and Boykin, two huge conversions in this game, a 15-yard completion on fourth and four. I love the way he just kind of turtled up over the football. He could have gone to the ground. I'd have been fine with that. But if you're going to turtle up on the football and you're stood up, you may as well go to the ground. What was great to see, and Baldinger played this video back and forth, and you know he sees Ramsey shaking his head, and just every everybody on the Rams is so despondent with the Ravens' demoralizing ability to convert at will on third and fourth down. They just, they, they just could not stop them. And then, of course, later with RG3 in the game, Boykin caught that 39-yard pass down the left sideline, which is just a, a thing of beauty going high up for the football as if he's the defender almost, because that defensive back was perfectly positioned to make the pick behind him, but he snatched it away from him for essentially an interception for the offense. And then it came down. And how did we know he was inbounds, Maureen? Um,
5: His butt touched inbounds.
4: So one butt inbounds was good enough in there. All right. You mentioned Roberts. He caught three or four targets, all for big conversions. Third and six, second and nine, third and nine. Those are all high-value conversions. Uh, They are obviously both the third downs are, but a second and nine is also a great conversion. Uh, Sneed on both TD catches, uh, he beat a safety across the face on a play where where uh, Orlovsky pointed out that that he was really picked out by Jackson to get the ball from the snap based on the leverage he had. Did a great job of of taking advantage of that. And then the other time he he beat the corner to the pylon after he caught the ball at about the four or five yard line and uh, made a move, got to the outside, dove for the pylon, and was in. So. Uh outstanding, outstanding game for Sneed, who's been kind of a forgotten man after a big year last year with Lamar in that second half.
5: And Hollywood seemed to have more snaps than he had recently.
4: Yeah, that's true. Uh, he was up to 49 snaps in this game. He he really should have had three TDs. He dropped the ball uh, at the goal line. But that touchdown went to somebody else. I'm not sure who, whether it was Snead or, or to uh, um, who, who might have gotten it. But anyway, uh, he uh, dropped a pass right at the goal line. Otherwise caught five out of six, though. He was perfectly splitting the defense on those touchdown passes, which was which were both beautiful. Uh, so it's just a shame he didn't catch that third one. But nice to see him get thrown to six times, catch five, be in there for a lot of plays. Uh, you know, we even saw a couple of plays where he looked like he's trying to throw a block. And and Marquise Brown is outweighed by your typical cornerback by twenty or twenty five pounds, maybe more. Um, and, and if he, if it's a safety, it might be thirty five pounds. So. Uh he's really a smallish guy compared to everyone else on the field and so, to see him even try and make a run block is kind of nice.
3: Yeah, I I noticed how small he is and got to figure that part of that is with his injury he wasn't able to put on the weight this off season that we might see in the next year as he grows to in order to compete with these NFL size guys.
4: Yeah, you I I would expect him to gain muscle. I I don't expect him his frame to increase too much in size. But just some muscle in the arms would be nice to make sure he can rest the ball from defenders. Uh, you know, obviously he's got to keep his legs tuned up to 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 get the speed he has. But uh, but yeah, he'll he'll be. He, I guess everybody fills out at the NFL level a little bit. They're kids, you know, when right. they get drafted.
3: Yeah, I mean you what, you got to get used to running that pace at the NFL level and then being able to keep on the weight. Uh, how about the tight ends? Did, did the Rams come at this trying to shut down our tight ends, or why were they quiet?
4: Yeah, they, they had, had only three of five for 52 to the tight ends in this game. So they did have one big pass to Andrews, which went for 38 yards. And, hey, anytime you only have to throw five targets to get 52 yards, that's terrific production. But what I would say is...
5: Did that include the ha- 15-yard tack on?
4: No, it did not. And Andrews had, had that. Was that on a shorter play or was it on 38? That was on a shorter play. But, he, but that's a good point. That's another 15 yards that, that they got out of that. But what I would say is that the... The Rams are talented in the middle of the field and talented at playing zone defense. So their two guys are not like the Ravens' two inside linebackers. They have a safety Taylor Rath who effectively plays the dime back on most snaps. And they have Corey Littleton, who's a a talented coverage linebacker, playing in the middle of the field also. And they did a better job of shutting down plays behind them than the the Ravens inside linebackers, frankly, early in the year did. Uh, We didn't see Kenny Young in this game. I don't know if he was active or not, or if he might have been where he might have been for this game.
3: I saw him get get one tackle on special teams. Okay. So Because I I, I heard his name announced once at least. So he was in there. All right, very good.
4: Um, Anybody else? Maureen, anybody else you want to talk about?
5: I think we covered it.
3: Only people we didn't cover was uh, Mark Ingram and uh, Gus Edwards and the the running game.
4: You know, great to see Ingram have have another big game here. He certainly uh, is doing very well. Didn't have a big game as a receiver. We saw a friend of ours out there had a big bet on on. uh, on Ingram to have 60 receiving yards, where he's going to collect uh, a lot of money if that had happened. Unfortunately, that didn't come through for him. I think he won enough on the game itself uh, to, to to be comfortable with what happened. But anyway, Ingram uh, won reception for seven yards. It, it was a touchdown. That was nice. Um, but uh, he also uh, ran the ball very effectively 15 times for a 111, which is a, a 7.4 average. He had one big breakaway for 25 yards. He had a couple others that were 10-plus. You know, really nice game for Ingram, who's, who just continues to be the bell cow for this team. I, my understanding is, I've seen a little bit of video, I'm not sure which game it was from, but it might have been the Rams game, where Ingram is pacing the sidelines. And he obviously wants a career in TV after he's done, but they had him mic'd up, and he's got like stopping by every player and like kind of calling him by his nickname to see if he can get a reaction out of them. And it's just, it's one of those kind of interesting things that I guess you can do in a game where you've got the score run up. But, the other players must have figured out that he was miked up, and they were, they were clamming up against guess They didn't want to give him anything to, to incriminate themselves.
3: Yeah, the sideline, especially during the fourth quarter, was a whole lot of fun for the Ravens. Is they, uh, even John Harbaugh was getting into cheering on the crowd.
4: There you go. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely a, a thinned-out crowd at that point, wouldn't you say, Maureen? in terms of, of who was there between Rams and Ravens fans?
5: Yeah, we got a seat on the light rail on the way back.
4: So an uh-huh. indication that everybody else had left on a previous train.
3: <laughs> well, it makes sense. If I was a Rams fan, I'd stay around to watch Lamar Jackson. But once he leaves, okay, it's time to go home. I saw yeah, the We show. saw
5: people leave in the third quarter, and generally fans don't leave that early.
4: There's, well, a, there's a, a, a kind of a big thing that they did out there, which was any celebrity that they noticed in the crowd, they want to get a camera on them. So who was it? Is Kylie Jenner? Is that the one? Or is yeah, it someone –
5: it was, yeah, Kylie Jenner, and um, it was another Jenner.
4: Okay, and there's some rapper also was there. Yeah, so some rapper,
5: a... DJ Mustard. I don't know <laughs> who that is. <laughs> <laughs> all
4: right, anyway, any, any celebrity. But they failed to his
5: put the camera, camera on Michael Phelps. Well,
3: that's pretty bad. Yeah, that that's one they should recognize, you would think. But uh, All right, so the Ravens. When you look at anyone's uh, power polls right now that are out, power rankings, outside of ESPN, everyone else is putting the Ravens at the top. So Ravens, you mentioned they have a good chance of getting a buy. How are things looking for them uh, going out with New England?
4: Well, I don't think the Ravens need to fear New England. I think they've, they've beaten them once. I think they, they certainly have taken advantage of New England's lack of speed on the second and third levels or even on the, on the first level as well to contain or to, uh, you know, deal with the tight ends. And so they've done what they need to do to, to, to beat a team like new England. I, I think defensively they match up pretty well against what the Patriots have to offer at this point in terms of receivers. And, and uh, you know, the, the frankly, the lot of point was made on the, on the new England game that they don't really have a tight end currently. Right. They've Watson is their, is their big, threat at 38 years old
3: right but do you think having that home field with the Patriots is that a big deal that we get that try to that we get that first slot
4: it's a it's a big deal it's it's you know it's probably worth six points in terms of the expectation in the game so at New England as it stands right now they'd probably be a small underdog at home they might be about four and a half point favorites so it might be as much as say a 20 percentage point difference chance to win the game so maybe it's 45 if they play there and it's 65 at home
3: all right. So we're still at the point as when the Ravens get while you're watching the Ravens game, also watch keep an eye on the New England game or I think they play Sunday night this week. So that'll be something to stay up and watch as Raven fans.
4: Yeah, there you go. Definitely. Definitely want to keep our eyes on that. And it's one period point of time where we're we're happy that New England constantly is being flexed into prime time or into the 425 game so we can watch it after we're done with the Ravens game.
3: Right, right. Uh, yeah. Even if it's ugly and in the rain and has fake penalties. um let's get to the your mvps for the week
4: all right i'll just go through quickly three to one here maureen you can play along if you like are you good or you want you
5: i didn't prepare for this
4: okay no no problem okay number three uh i'll go with mark ingram obviously a big game rushing the ball there are a lot of people in contention for this on offense but but he gets my number three uh my number two goes to marquise brown five or six catches uh, two touchdowns. He gets it despite the drop, but it's really nice to see him getting more playing time than he had been early in the year. And then, number one, there's just no question about it the, the uh, offensive player of the week in the AFC, Lamar Jackson. Another spectacular game on a run that is just magical in every way. I mean, 1975 Burt Jones is the last time a Ravens team and a Ravens quarterback have been aligned in this way for this kind of magical run. That 75 Colts team was 1 and 4. They won their last 9 to win the division including uh, the big fall game win against Miami with a week to go. And they went to the playoffs and they got they got destroyed by by Pittsburgh in, in what was frankly a close game until late in, or midway through the fourth quarter when uh, when they lost it. But but we haven't had that. We haven't had what we have with Lamar since then. So that's 44 years ago, and I just want people to appreciate this. It doesn't come along very often. If you're my age, it probably won't come along again during your lifetime. So appreciate having the hot quarterback in the NFL and and the really magical ride going on like it is now.
3: Um, let's How are we get, doing for mailbag? Yeah, yeah, let's get a couple mailbag questions in as we're wrapping up. This is where you get to steer the show, getting your questions using the hashtag FilmStudyMailbag over on Twitter. Uh, First one up is uh, Minion Hunter, who's wondering how important is the first 15 scripted plays for this offense? So that first drive that's planned out, how important is that? Because that's been very successful so far.
4: Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say lately because they've been scoring at will whenever Lamar's in the game. And, you know, I had a little thing written down on the page here. This game, the Lamar drives were touchdown, 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 touchdown. So you can probably remember that one without even writing it down. Against Houston, it was missed field goal, fake field goal, so lost the ball on downs, touchdown, touchdown, end of half, touchdown, field goal, field goal, touchdown. Against Cincinnati, it was touchdown, 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 end of half, again, by Neil Downs, touchdown, touchdown. So there haven't been any failed large drives at any point during the game. So my point about the scripted plays is, They've certainly gone well. They've resulted in touchdowns, but they have, there's nothing to differentiate that from everything else that's going on the rest
3: of the game. All right. Uh, let's get to Brad's question. Talk, I'm going to make you get out of your comfort zone a little bit because you like to look at the offensive line as individuals, but as a whole, how is this offense playing compared to previous years? It sure looks like they're playing well above what we're used to. Okay, so we're seeing the offensive line. Is the offensive the line as a yeah. whole, yes.
4: Yeah. Uh, this is... is one of the two greatest or three greatest offensive lines the Ravens have ever had. The the big ones were 2008 and 2009, and each of those was a little bit different, but they had a lot of quality, and when you go left to right, you see just, boy, that's a lot of quality. The 2008 offensive line had Jared Gaither at left tackle, who for two years in there and on both those lines was a terrific left tackle. Then the the 2008 team had Grubbs at guard, who was good but young and and less consistent in that year. Uh, Burke at center was one of the best players in the entire league. I'm sorry, that was still Brown at center in 2008. And uh, he was good also, though, and signed a big contract with the Rams after that. Yanda only won the the position in mid-2008 from Chris Chester, but he played absolutely fabulously down the stretch. And then at right tackle, they had Willie Anderson, who was slow-moving but extremely good still at that point, always graded very highly in the as as we scored the games. The next year, they had some personnel turnover, but they still had Gaither at left tackle, who was outstanding. Grubbs, a year later, was, was better. Burke at center came in and took over, and, and by PFF, was one of the best players in the entire league. They had him rated that year as the 22nd best player in the entire league, which frankly, might have been overdoing it, but he, but he certainly had a great year. Yonda played the entire season then in 2009 at right guard, and they had the rookie Michael Orr, the first round pick, who came in and had the only really good year he had of his career, the only really good year. Um, his career was more or less a ski slope from that point forward as the, as the Ravens moved him around from position to position. So it's those two lines along with the the uh, current offensive line of the three best. All of the other years, they had various problems with missing pieces or injuries or other problems that they just couldn't get through the season with a consistent group. But this uh, this offensive line, until Skura's injury, uh, you know, really looked at least on par with the 08 and 09 lines.
3: All right. Um, 49ers this weekend are making a... The news is at least making a big deal that they're using their wide receiver, Richie James, as their scout QB for the week, trying to prepare for Lamar. Uh, is that the 49ers just not even worrying about lamar passing the ball and just focusing on his speed to try to control that
4: yeah i think i think that's true josh i think what what i heard from the 49ers expert on the know your foe and by the way i highly recommend that uh oscar uh Aparicio is on the show with no, me and no he, relation
3: to Nestor, right
4: no no relation so you can listen right, it's good. okay all right and, and, so, and so you uh uh He's an excellent uh, analyst, and what he said is he thinks that the 49ers are likely to try and force Lamar to hand the ball off by respecting the read option route he would take as opposed to even trying to go after the running back. So allow the the ball to be handed off on, on the inside or if it's on the outside, on the outside, and contain Lamar alternatively. And then see how that works out. Now, the way Lamar can beat that or the way that Roman can beat it by design is to have a lot of the runs going to the outside naturally with the running back, because then it becomes harder to give up on that. And Lamar then has to take the inside track to, to, uh, to make a move up the field. So I don't think there's any w- one way to beat Lamar. And that's the funny thing is we really haven't seen how it's been done. So they'll try something that will be as effective as they think they can be to try and stop him. And maybe it'll work this week. Maybe it won't. But uh, but we haven't yet found that that combination that that uh, has shut down the Ravens' offense.
3: And and as a Ravens fan, I'm even looking for that. I want to see a team slow them down on something and force the Ravens to kind of change what they're doing, and and to it, see how they adjust. Because we it's weird that we haven't seen that yet. That whatever the Ravens' plan works.
4: Yeah, they've they've had they've made good adjustments. This team has. Last year and even in the playoff game would be a place where they made good adjustments to to just put the ball in Lamar's hand in the fourth quarter and he almost brought him back in that game. They've made other adjustments at other times during last year to to pull out games that that were you know look like they might be a problem. There hasn't been a need for anything in the way of adjustments this year. You're right. But but I don't I don't need a failure manufactured to let that happen. I I don't I, I think the actual the chance of Discovering is actually a small danger to the Ravens if, if they somehow figure out how to beat Lamar 2019 before the playoffs.
3: Uh, so I guess you wouldn't like my suggestion of letting RG3 play the first quarter so we can see how Lamar does on a comeback. <laughs> no, I don't think that'd be wise. All right, let's get uh, let's get in the plugs. Everything's over on uh, filmstudybaltimore.com. You got the offensive breakdown up there now and multiple shorts and a Know Your Foe that's already out.
4: All kinds of good stuff out there. The Know Your Foe already out. I haven't promoted that yet. But thanks for reminding me about that, about that, Josh. Really worth the listen. Outstanding guest. We've had four in a row, just outstanding guests on the on the Know Your Foe series. Um, but anyway, get, take a listen to that. the 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 defensive article is up. The offensive line article will be up tomorrow, at some point, uh, uh, for with the uh, scoring by player. I know a lot of people look for that. Uh, and then both podcasts should be up for for Thanksgiving commuting tomorrow, right?
3: Yeah, you keep saying Thanksgiving commuting. I'm going more with the if you want one earbud in while you're at the Thanksgiving meal with your family. (laughs) This will also get you through all that political discussion and stuff that you want nothing to do with.
4: That's true. So you have to love your family, but a lot of us don't like our family anyway. And when when you're in that environment where you're with your family and it's just too much, the drama is getting there, the politics are getting there. Reach right. for the earbuds and a nice film study podcast.
3: Yeah, you have to look like you're listening, not actually listen. You just have <laughs> just have to stay focused. Uh, if a beanie covers your ears at the table, no one knows why. It's cold. It's it's Baltimore. I'm sure it's not 80 degrees like I'm dealing with down here in Florida for Thanksgiving.
4: All right. Well, how's your Thanksgiving? How, how's your Thanksgiving plan going, Josh? Who are you spending it with?
3: Uh, we're not doing anything. We're real laid back. Just. Uh, Immediate family right here at home. First first Thanksgiving, kind of out of Maryland, so we're taking it easy. Uh, plus, our house finally sold today in Maryland. So Congratulations. So we're kind of just having cool. a big dinner to celebrate that, and be very, we're very thankful about that.
4: That's, that's great news. I'm so happy yeah. for you.
3: Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, Ken, we'll talk soon, because we still got to break down the defense tonight, and everyone else— Make sure you're getting all these five episodes of podcasts for you this week. Make sure you're downloading them all. Make sure you're telling your friends. And make sure you're going online and giving reviews and spreading the word.